Welcome to On The Rise, a podcast about female college tennis players on the way up. On The Rise serves compelling stories and unique angles in women's college tennis. This is your host, Perry Shinen. In this episode of On The Rise, I will be speaking with Ines Absisson, a junior on the University of Nebraska-Omaha women's tennis team. Ines played number one singles for the Mavericks. Led by head coach Adam Summit, Ines captured four singles wins and seven wins in the doubles court last season. Welcome to On The Rise podcast. Today I am joined by Ines Absisson from the University of Nebraska-Omaha. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me here. This is awesome. Thank you. Of course. And where are you currently? So I'm currently in Morocco. We have a vacation house here and that's where my parents are from. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Very cool. And so tell us, you are a junior, correct? I am a junior, yes. Going into my senior year next year. So exciting. How do you feel about that? It's going so fast. Like, I want to be a freshman all over again. (laughs) I feel the same way. So could we go back a little bit before your college tennis career? And how did you get to the University of Nebraska? So I was in Belgium, where I'm from, and I started playing tennis there. Um, started to play tournaments when I was 10. That was just kind of my life. And, um, well, I saw a couple of my friends going to the U.S. And I was like, hmm, that's something I think I would love to do. And, like, why not? And so in Belgium, we have six years of high school. And I um, was in my fifth. And I was like, I need to go to the U.S. as soon as possible. I really can't wait. Because I was already 20 at the time. When I was in my fifth, and normally you should be like 18 or 19. And uh, I wanted to go faster than just to catch up. So I went ahead and did like homeschooling at the same time as I was still going to the school I was going to. And then I finished both years within that one year. And I just left right after that summer. Quick turnaround. And yeah, really incredible that you put two years of school into one. Tell me more about why you had to do that. Because I went to China uh, when I was younger. I went when I was 12. It was like in an academy there. And uh, when I decided to go there, it was just for tennis. So I kind of fell behind. I mean, a lot. I was three years behind. I came back when I was 15. So I was 15 and the kids in there were like 13. So that was so different. But I knew it was because I did what I wanted to do and it was for tennis and I enjoyed my time in China with tennis. So I just didn't have a choice and I went back to school and that's why I fell behind basically. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And so when you were in China at age 12, could you tell us a little bit more about how did you get there and you went all alone at 12? Yeah. So I used to train with one of the coaches in Belgium that I had at the time. I started competition with him throughout my 10 to my 12 year old. And then he got a job in China in that academy, which the academy was the Carlos Rodriguez. I know the name. Yeah, Justin Hannon's coach at the time, yes. back in the day. And I was a huge Justin Hannon fan. Same. Uh, she was, she's from Belgium. So I was like, oh my God, I want to be just like her. And um, when she quit tennis, I actually cried. So (laughs) my family loves her because we're all really short people and she was short. So we looked up to her (laughs) so much. Exactly. I was short when I was little, too. I was like super tiny. So I was like, this is who I want to be. So I can relate to you definitely on that. 
So when I heard that he was going there, I was like, Mom, I have to go. I can't just turn this off. And I and he asked me to go with him. And it took my parents a while to accept it. And when they accepted, I left that summer right away. <laughs> That's amazing. And so you went with Justine Hennen's coach from your home in Belgium to China. Well, it wasn't actually him. So it was my coach. But when we got there, we met with him. Got it. He was already there and he had asked my coach to come. Uh, so we met up with him over there in China. So did you ever get to play with Justine or see her? She actually came twice, but she came once and we actually had an interview over there. It, like went on TV in Belgium. It was pretty cool. So cool. And so then you arrive in college. How was your freshman year? How was that adjustment? I got there and you can even ask my coach. It was funny because right when I got there, I was like, My eyes just got big and even my mouth was just so like, whoa, like everything was huge to me. I mean, parking lots, buildings, cars were bigger, like everything is just so much bigger. Did your coach originally reach out to you? Um, yes. So I got an email from him when I was in Belgium still. And uh, we did a couple Skype calls um, before anything and... I mean, we clicked right away and I really enjoyed talking to him. He was one of the only coaches that I felt was truly honest and truly wanted me. And it wasn't a battle between other girls or anything. And I knew right away when he talked to me about tennis that he knew what he was doing and saying. And I really liked that because I was hesitating between two schools and I just was like, no, that's the one. Very cool. And so let's jump off the court for a little bit. Tell me what you're majoring in. So I'm majoring in criminal justice and I have a minor in entrepreneurship. Very cool. And why criminal justice? My freshman year and, and sophomore year, actually, I was a business major and I did not like my classes. They were kind of hard for me. And then I was trying to think of what I was interested in more than just looking at what was easiest. And um, I came up with criminal justice because I've just always been so interested in just the law and what's right for people and justice and all that stuff. So I'm kind of, I've always been big on it, but I never thought a career into criminal justice was a thing. But when I came to the U.S., I, I saw that it was actually a thing. And one of my teammates also does that. And I saw her classes and I just was like, why am I not doing that? I should be doing it. And I started it and I actually love it. Would you feel comfortable telling us a little bit more about your backstory, about, you know, really why you're passionate about this field? I mean, I'm definitely someone that isn't scared to travel by myself and all those things. But when you're a girl and you travel by yourself and you're just on the streets and going from one place to another, you can encounter people that aren't that good. And um, I've myself almost had um, two times I've almost been kidnapped Um That just scared me, and that's always something that I've feared. And I know a lot of kids have been, and a lot of people have been, and it's just something that I would I couldn't imagine being in their shoes. And so I want to open my own office with a team that will actively research um, and look for missing kids, because just with my background and me having that happen to me almost twice, I mean, I'm still kind of traumatized about it and I still think about it every day. It's not like it just goes away. 
And just even now, walking on the streets, I hope, I w- I'm always careful. I always look behind me and around me. It's not like it's normal to do that, but sadly, it happens every day. And yeah, I, I really want to change that and hopefully have an impact. Wow. I mean, it's really an amazing story and also just yeah. a, a huge you know, really impressive on your end that you have used your personal experience and obviously something that's so close to you to create positive change. And yeah. I mean, there are so many things that, that people go through and that women go through that, you know, just exactly. as you said, it, it isn't normal to feel that way, but no, hopefully, sure. hopefully one day that can change. Yeah. I mean, as women, I, I mean, I'm myself a big feminist and I'm not scared to say it. And I've always thought, that way that we women should not fear and should not walk on the streets being scared of going into your car and someone approach you or things like that. Like, I mean, I have a brother and I know he hasn't had to do that ever. Right. I remember being absolutely shocked when my mom told me at a young age, you know, to always be aware of my surroundings and I didn't quite know what she meant. And obviously as we get older, we understand more, but it's definitely been something that has been eye opening. For sure. I understand that 100%. Yeah. How do you feel about, you know, really, where's your tennis going next? Well, honestly, I feel like everyone kind of had that dream when they were young to be professional and go on tour and do all those tournaments that everyone else does. And I started on the ITF tour when I was younger. And then when I kind of got to college now, I really liked the team aspect of it and like how different it was. And I think that after college, I will just call it that, basically, and just start a new chapter because I've just been playing for so long. I mean, tennis will always be in my life, but I don't think I'll go professional anymore. Yeah. And and how how have your kind of shifting to the team element of your experience, how have your teammates supported you during your years at college? Coming in, I had a couple of my friends from Belgium that were in some schools in the U.S. And a lot of them have transferred after their freshman year because their team was terrible. I mean, terrible, not saying tennis-wise, but just the atmosphere and the competition in the team itself. And when I came in Omaha, we didn't really have that. I mean, obviously, you want to work hard and do good and show that you're good too but it was very genuine it wasn't I want to be good but you need to be bad so that I can be good it was more like I want to be good so that I can help you be good as well absolutely and my coach has a big part of that because he kind of put that into the team when everyone comes in he kind of sets that tone I want to say and To me, it's a very healthy way to be in a team because you want to elevate everyone else with you because you're a team. You're not winning by yourself. So if I win my match and everyone else loses, I lose as well. So I want them to be good as well because I want to win. And the more I go up within, like from freshman year to junior year, every year it gets better, I feel like. And our freshmen every year kind of pick it up very fast and the more we put it in right away it just keeps going and I mean it's been great so nice and really as you said it it is it's seemingly very difficult to achieve this great team culture but then once you have it it does really spread to all teammates and 
It's, yeah. it's really something special. And so have you, after all this time, have you come to see tennis as a team sport? Yes and no. I still believe that it is an individual sport because when you're on the court, it's just you. But then when it comes to scoring and when it comes to the way you're fighting, I feel like that is different because then the team aspect comes in and you also have five, six, seven girls on the sideline cheering for you when really, when you're just playing individually in a tournament, you don't have that. I remember I came in as a freshman and we went to LA and played a couple teams there. And a couple of the te- my teammates were complaining about the team aspect and cheering and that girls weren't being very supportive. And I remember that I got very frustrated because I was the one injured, so I didn't play. And so it was kind of directed to me. And I was like, as much as I can cheer you on and tell you what to do as a player or coach, I can't hit the ball for you. Even though I'm telling you what to do, you still have to do it. And if you're not going to do it, that's on you. So in the end, it's still individual. And I told them that my freshman year, and I keep saying it every year because I still want to be able to tell girls that you still need to think for yourself on the court and then come into the team aspect where you're cheering, you're playing for a team, you're winning for a team and all that stuff. That is such a mature response. Did you tell them that when you were a freshman? Is that what you said? I actually did. And I remember some girls were not happy about it (laughs) because they were like, she's a freshman. Why is she even talking? Why is she even saying something? But honestly, it is kind of natural for me to just speak up. I've always been that way, even with my family, my brother and my sisters. I've always spoken up about things. And sometimes it's bad because I just blur things out and I probably shouldn't. But my coach loved it and he was he even named me captain the next year because of that. So I was like, I mean, that's me and I'll just keep doing that. Wow. We all have that moment of tension when there's something that's happening on the team. And in my opinion, I think it does often revolve around that team versus individual tension and that aspect of whether it be cheering or being on the sidelines or, you know, being on the court, really that it's so interesting that that you had the courage to step up and say that because it's so true. I mean, at the end of the day, it seems to still be so individual. And even during the doubles matches, it's not one, but two people on the court. You can cheer all you want, but you can't make them win. (laughs) Exactly. Being on a team in college, you kind of forget sometimes, I feel like, because you also see other sports like volleyball or soccer or stuff like that. And where they are really a team sport. But the difference is that to win, they have to pass the ball to each other and play together. But we can't do that. To win, you have to hit the ball yourself. Do you think college tennis, you know, could change or should change to be more of a team sport? Um, I feel like it will always be that way because how would you... It would be weird, like, thinking, oh, I can pass the ball to my teammate. Like in doubles, you would be tapping the ball to each other and then hitting the ball. (laughs) I mean, that's like something I've always thought of. I was like, we could play volleyball on a tennis court, basically. Is that possible? (laughs) Are we creating a new sport as we speak? (laughs) I've honestly always thought of that. Why can I not pass the ball to my teammate on the court when I play doubles? 
Interesting. Well, I've always thought about if someone's having a bad match, why don't you just sub your teammate in after the game? Exactly. We have my teammates and I have always said that. Like, why can't I just not hit the ball for you if you're not feeling good today? <laughs> I mean, it could be a thing. It could be like how soccer they sub in players and they sub them out. Why would we not be able to sub them in and out in the middle of a match? Especially with girls matches, tennis matches can take hours. I, I mean, know, right? Hours and hours, especially <laughs> so, in college. Yeah, I mean, if I want to sub out after the first set and let someone else try it, why not? Maybe we'll talk offline and we'll kind of create a sport together. That would be fun. <laughs> We could try. <laughs> could you tell me a little bit about how your performance on the court has either met your expectations or, or fallen short? I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There has been times where I was not satisfied with my performance and how I expected my performance to be. And then there has been other times where I've been super happy about it. And from my freshman year to now, I think I definitely improved on the court, especially I want to say mentally, because being in a team and not playing for myself has changed the way I kind of thought on the court. And I think it brought something more to even my game because then you're taking maybe more risks on the court because you know that's gonna work. And it has changed my game as well because I, I used to play on clay court here in Belgium. So when I came to the US and played on hard court, it was different. And so I even had to change a couple things of my game So like instead of being further behind the baseline, I have to come closer to the baseline and things like that, which have made me be a more attacking player. That's been fun for me because I've always wanted to be that type of player, but on clay court, it's hard to do that. And I've had a lot of downtimes too, because I mean, I feel like we're as tennis players, we want to be perfect. And you can't be perfect all the time, even though you can't accept that. <laughs> so I've had a couple hard times, too, where my coach had to knock on my head a little bit. <laughs> But it happens. <laughs> I totally understand. You can talk to me all day about perfectionism. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> it I, get I mean, it. it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Definitely a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. Yes, yes. And Whoever is on the court, I think, struggles with this perfectionist element of tennis and of, you know, sport. For sure. Could you tell me, are you more afraid of success or failure on the court? It's a bad answer and I know it, but I am afraid of failure. The reason why I think it's a bad answer is because I've always been told that you don't go on the court thinking I can't lose. You go on the court thinking I will win. And so... I, that's why I think it's a bad answer when I say that I go on and think I am scared of failure. And that's a big reason of why I sometimes will miss shots because I'm too scared to fail that shot. When really, if you think, no, I'll hit the ball and I'll do it great, then you will. It goes with wanting to be perfect. And it can be tricky and I've, I mean... I know it that I have been struggling with that forever and still to this day. And I know that next month I will still be struggling with that. Like it's something that if you aren't able to just switch the mindset and think positively and instead of thinking I'm scared to fail, I feel like you are most likely going to fail. It's hard to explain, but 
to another tennis player, I totally understand. Yeah, it's, it is definitely hard to explain because I feel like if I told that to my mom, she would be like, why are you even saying that? What do you mean? But I feel like as a tennis player, we all think about failure. I know that. <laughs> yes. And and do you work with a, with a mental health coach at school? I mean, we don't have one, but I know that in the past, when I was in Belgium, I've been to mental coaches um, before. I mean, when I was a kid, I wasn't the best on the court. I would cry when I would lose and Sometimes I had tears and I was hitting at the same time. I wouldn't same. even see the I wouldn't even see the ball. It was so, so blurry. I couldn't even see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally understand that because I did that so many times. And it's funny because my mom thought I had a problem. <laughs> She was like, "This is not normal to cry and play at the same time." And So she was like, maybe we'll need to see if you need some mental coaching. Because it, it definitely changed my perspective on the court. It changed my way of thinking. It changed my attitude on the court. And so I do think that in college, we need one. We, we are a year-long sport. So it seems like if yeah. any team is going to have some support here, we it's going to be us. Yeah. <laughs> Other sports have their own teammate on the field with them or on the court with them. So they can boost each other in a different way that we can't do that. Do you sometimes find it hard to separate tennis and non-tennis? Yeah, and even just going to class and then going to practice and then going back to class, sometimes you don't even have time to eat or shower. or So it gets pretty like intense, I want to say. And especially my freshman year, I had a very hard time managing my time. And me being an international student, the language wasn't 100% yet. So I was going to class, but not understanding everything. So I had to get a couple tutors. So I was going from class to tutoring, to tennis, to tutoring, to class. I remember I would go from class, go to the calf, get food to go. I was eating while walking to another class or tutoring session, or even walking to the dorm to get my tennis bag to then leave. Like it was just insane. Right. I mean, honestly, I would have loved a tutor, but I didn't have time. <laughs> I don't know how you had time. Even my teammates and my roommates, they were like, we never see you. Where are you at? And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm at tutoring. I don't understand anything. <laughs> well, it's really amazing. I mean, really amazing that you took the initiative as well to get that tutoring and to get that help because yeah. I mean, that, that takes strength as a student athlete as well, who already doesn't have time to then say, okay, I'm going to prioritize my academics. And that's really amazing that you did that. I felt like in college, it was kind of needed because if you don't have good grades, you can't play. So I felt that pressure of like, okay, now I have a consequence if my grades aren't good. So I have to try and do my best. And that's what I kind of felt like I had to do. And did it improve? It definitely did. I So I went from having nine hours of tutoring a week to like three last year to nothing this year. Just knowing the language more now and um, being in a major that I do like, um, that has changed also the way I study and the way I pay attention in class. So it's been easier now for me. I mean, it's it's been worth it because I actually last semester got on the chancellor's list and then this semester I got on the dean's list. So I was like, The, work, the hard work paid off. <laughs> That is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And it feels good. 
My name is Ines Absisum, and I am on the rise. This has been an episode of On the Rise, a Tennis Channel podcast in partnership with Behind the Racket. Join us next time to continue our conversation about women's college tennis. This is Perry Shinen, On the Rise. <laughs>